Hey, Kate. <coughs> Hi, Ryan. Oh, wow. That was an interesting sound. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that a gasp, a simple gasp, can be um, either terror or joy and excitement? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it's really just, you know, a gasp is just preparation. It's, it's here we go. I'm going to have to expend some energy. So I need to pull in the source of all energy, and that is that is press. I'll kick my own ass later. <laughs> I was gonna say, really, Kate? <laughs> yeah, that's that's how this pony ride. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Um, I'm actually really good. I'm um. Not sleeping adequately, but I'm, I've been happy lately, and I hate that word. <laughs> because how are you doing? Happy. Anybody that says that, it's like, oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Um, I've been, I feel like I've been, I've been enjoying uh, brief moments of joy here oh, and there in a, in, a, in a new way. Yeah. Uh, um. Can you give me the short answer about how you're doing? Because I'm about to tell you how you're doing via an animal card. Okay. Well, do you want to do the animal card first, or should I tell you how I'm doing first? <gasps> Wait a minute, Ryan. That's No, no, no. Tell me how you're doing while I sort the deck, and then I'll explain what the hell I'm doing, and we'll see if it lines up. Okay. Um, I'm doing well. I... Uh crashed hard on Monday after a long ass week of teaching. And um, it was just one of those things where everybody, everybody that I see on a monthly basis ended up in the same week, um, which is totally my fault. Um, I just didn't realize everyone was scheduling for that week. And um, I also decided to rebuild the website from scratch uh, I remember that choice. Uh, and so Sunday after I finished teaching was like the final push to be like, okay, this has to go live tonight in some form. Like there's still stuff missing and it's still like things to tweak. But um, so when I uh, woke up on Monday, I was like, oh God, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> and uh, actually had a d day off uh yesterday so um i'm feeling uh i'm feeling pretty good actually um, um so, okay ryan so what's this this animal card business so first thing i want you to do is i want you to tell anyone to stop okay stop and now do it again Stop. All right. And left, center, middle. Just answer quick. Uh, left. Okay. Ooh, raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> raccoon. All right. Now, let's see what... Raccoon energy 
means for Ryan. I got this deck of cards two Christmases ago from Nick. Oh, okay. So here's raccoon. This is the wisdom for, that the raccoon holds for Ryan Cunningham. Okay. Raccoon, talented, shadowy, in hiding. Raccoon energy is at play within all artists to greater or lesser degrees. At best, it indicates talent, tenacity, and skillfulness with a particular musical instrument or creative tool. It shows side points to an unresolved issue around self-image and success. Sometimes, oh, it's shadow side points to an unresolved issue around self-image and success. Sometimes using a stage name or wearing a mask works in an artist's favor. Other times it limits creativity. Am I who my audience thinks I am? What if I am ready to grow into something more? Raccoon energy won't let us off the hook until this creative ego fear is resolved. When raccoon energy is in balance... You're generous, you're a generous friend, and an exceptional artist. When out of balance, competitive, starving artist, to bring into balance, making new work. Okay. (laughs) 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 Is this like some version of like tarot card... Oh, it sure is. Okay. (laughs) Like my, it's great. My Catholic mother is like, won't touch the tarot. She's like, it's just not what we do, Katie. It's not what we do. (laughs) Um, But I pull out the animal cards and she's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh, you're right. I am the spider. I do everyone all together. I have so many friends who are like, like not people that I would necessarily expect. And then I find they're like big into tarot cards. It's it's very interesting to me because it's like, you know, it's not something I find out about them until like. They're reading it to you. Like years down the line. Like, whoa, wait, you're, this is something that you're into. (laughs) Okay. So I have, I have some theories about this. I think that there's like a massive quiet overlap of um, people that shop at like witchy incense stores and yoga teachers because, and, and the, the tie that binds often essential oils or it's like the gateway drug for all of this. <laughs> Crystals I, I, like, I feel like tar- tarot might also be an entry point for a lot of people. So yeah, like I, it started in my family with, Probably my sister, she bought all of us decks of something called angel cards. And it's like a box filled with words. And they're all like mostly positive words, you know. And uh, you put your hand in and you think about whatever and you pull out a word. And that word is sort of like something to reflect on. It's not necessarily something, it's not prophetic. It's not something that's going to happen. It's just a word you reflect on. Um, And, you know, coming from a super religious background even that was starting like a toe dip that I think made my mom like a little uneasy but she was sort of open to the angel cards down the road you know um but angel cards are you know a hop skip and a jump away from from tarot cards sure in my mind um and these this animal deck I love it it's beautiful because I've always loved um 
writing from the perspective of different animals. I've always just thought it was a useful <laughs> just tool for like generation of ideas. And um, so I've also thought it was really interesting, like understood um, meanings of symbology in animals. Mm-hmm. You know, different cultures see different animals as carrying different messages or having different meanings. Um, and I've always been, I love that. Like, there was once you texted me and you're like, Kate, I just saw a hawk again. Oh, sure. Do you sorry. remember that? Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, like, that, that kind of thing I love. So that's why I'm drawn to this particular deck. Um, but I really believe that cards, prophetic cards, like... This, this kind of thing are actually more just an exercise in like literary interpretation. Like you, you have a card that could mean many things and how are you able to extrapolate meaning from it and superimpose it onto your life? How are you able to find connectivity between sort of um, different philosophies or different words? Like, and everything is connected. So of course you can superimpose your own experience on anything, especially like when you go into the tarot. It's like, well, of course, that's going to make sense kind of for everyone, you know, if you're creative enough. Sure, sure. But it's also, it provides a... So, uh, it, it, it provides, a, like, a lot of my friends who use them, you know, not only, uh, I mean, certainly, like, uh, they'll do sort of more broad explorations, but oftentimes they'll just kind of use it as a, as a focal point throughout their day. Like where they just take a card, like they pull a card out of the deck and they have it with them and whatever that card is meant to represent, it's just sort of a, a a focal point um, as they move about, you know, whatever they're doing, whether they're at work or, or at home or whatever. Um, And so in that way, it just, it always seemed like a, interesting frame of understanding and contemplation um to have uh and um yes that's i mean that's what i like it for like yeah. I, i'll i'll once in a while pull a card and be like huh what does um, this animal have to say about this yeah what do i happen to pull yeah which is also a thing that you know there there are certainly decks um uh uh, of like slogan cards in in Buddhism that people as part of their practice will just pull one and use that whatever the slogan is for contemplation practice. Um, so it's not like it's not necessarily this like uniquely uh, witchy process. It's it's a, a pretty human <laughs> uh, process to try and contextualize and make meaning out of out of uh, out of things. Um, so yes, yes, totally. It's like you know, been throwing runes and rocks for yeah, yeah centuries. I do think it's interesting in the context of um meditation, like pull a card and hear something for contemplation. I like that, and I think we're doing that essentially doing that in yoga practice too. You know, with each you know when you each time you arrive in a pose is an opportunity to extrapolate meaning from it and to take. Yeah. Well, to make a, a narrative story almost about how you're experiencing uh, one of the warriors, for example. 
Yeah, I, I've, I've seen I've seen people even in class occasionally who have a card that they sort of slide under the front corner of their mat, like as a as a focal point at the top of their mat as they're practicing. Um, really? Yeah, I've seen people do that. I think there are some cards that go along with um, that big uh, book that Elena Brower did that were sort of meant to be contemplation cards. I could be getting this wrong, but I, I think they're so that's the, that deck I've seen more commonly uh, over the past couple of years. I, I, I think it's like part of part of that. Uh, Art of attention. Yeah, I think it, I think there's there's a deck that that goes along with that, um, and you know there's always like on one hand is like okay we're just you know creating more and more and more and more like products that we have to have in order to <laughs> facilitate practice, but you know if it's helpful to people, it's helpful to people. You know. Um, uh, oh God, you're right, Ryan. Um, there's there's. Oh both sides to that coin um, yeah and you know it's sort of interesting like the other day I was at the studio and somebody came in with this like just humming with urgency and they were like what are the books for teacher training and can I buy them here <laughs> and it was like this moment where I had where I was like stuff sucks <laughs> like, <laughs> like buying stuff I, I'm going through like a well, I, I say I'm going through it as if it's new. Um, I just want to burn everything and have less. Um, so her, I, you know, I felt for her. I know that, like, you're, you're about to start on something new. You want to make sure everything you have. I, have. I totally get it. I have compassion. But it was just, like, in that moment, it was, like, give me my things. Sure, sure. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer because it's a yoga teacher training and, and like you have to have the following things to prepare for your practice, the, the trappings. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows whether that's how problematic that actually is. But um, No, because I, I, I always feel like books are excluded from that. <laughs> Yeah, but in some ways, like, I, you know, I, I'm having a struggle with the course uh, that I'm teaching at Bow Street because there are, um, like, I don't, I don't want them to end up with this never-ending pile of yoga books that they have to, that will sit in a corner inevitably going unread for years and years and years but at the same time there are like portions of those books that are um really interesting and useful in terms of of discussion and, and things like that so um i'm still the verdict still out on how and if i will will use all of that material or whether i'll just sort of create uh try to find a list of books that i think are actually valuable enough to purchase, um, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I don't I, I don't want people to end up with this with this colossal library that they don't ever refer to. Um, uh, there are I think when I moved to when I moved to Bow Street, I purged the books that I don't actually. Um, refer to as as reference 
um, material. Uh, and that was a lot of books. There were a lot of like, there were a lot of random yoga books that I thought, yeah, I read this once and I don't find it to be at all helpful or useful to me. <laughs> so I'm just going to let it, let it go. Um, but there was, you know, an equal number of books that was like, oh, this is, this is actually a really helpful, helpful reference, um, and helpful thing to refer back to. Uh, um, but it's like, you don't want someone to acquire that, that number of books within the course of one year. <laughs> like that, that's a little extreme. Um, so, uh, when that, you know, the acquiring materials that are helpful to practice becomes an exercise in, you know, uh, a weird form of retail therapy, like that's, <laughs> that's an interesting, uh, neurosis to watch <laughs> like oh there's a new book coming out on yoga i should get it <laughs> god this is just so close this is just so uncomfortably close to home for me <laughs> i i had a goal this week right i had a goal the goal was to fill up a box one box reasonable size box with books to, to donate and i had gone through this process uh about a year ago where I had purged about 30% of my collection because through grad school and through working in a bookstore, I acquired roughly like 2000 books. Yeah. Give or take. And, um, it's like my apartment, I have a one bedroom apartment. There's like, it's a finite amount of space. I, I cannot and will not read any of these books again, or some of them I'll read again. Like you know, the poetry books I can argue keeping, but like, I, I, you know, I got to rein it in. And, um, I went to, and I was like, well, it's been a year since I did a purge. So I'm due for another one. I'm trying to make more space for Frankie's books. Cause now I'm starting to buy, you know, I'm starting to hoard for her too. Cause that's my job. And I, I like could only get rid of four and I, I left all of my yoga books and you saying that I feel like it's giving me some permission to shed some of them that I found useful at one time, but in all likelihood, I'm not going to crack that open. Yeah. And if I do, if I hunger for it and need it, like there's no reason I can't like, you know, just get the digital version or buy the fucking book again. Like it's not the end of the world. Like I, or just, Go to a library. Go to the yeah. library. <laughs> no, I, I have a, I am, this is going to sound super shitty, but I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a writer in the books. I'm a. I'm oh, a sure, 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 sure. I'm the worst. But, but to your point, like, it's not like the book then disappears if I don't own a copy of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, I've never actually really thought of it from that perspective. Like, I feel like I'm honoring the author by keeping it. Sure. But they've already been paid for the book. They're not. <laughs> like, if you, you know, you could pass it on to somebody or, or you know, I, I don't know. Um, uh, it's not a strength of mine, though, in it, but I'm, I, I, I know that it's a big part of my practice, though, is the, the transition and letting go and shedding is not did not come easy to me. So yeah, it's, it's fortuitous you brought up the yoga books. <laughs> um, well, speaking of yoga industry, um, uh, Kate, uh, you sent me over this 
uh, post from a Kickstarter campaign. Is that the one they were using? Yeah, it's Kickstarter. Uh, of uh, a documentary that is attempting to get crowdfunded entitled The Yoga Industry, subtitle, uh, a documentary about yoga's spiritual extinction. Um, and I will post... Bum, bum. I will post the uh, trailer in the uh, show notes. So if you want to, like, pause now and then go watch. And, yeah, it's short. And it's real it's, short. It's short. You can go watch and, and uh, um, have have an immediate reaction up to it. Um, <laughs> then you can do that. Uh, but otherwise, we'll just dive right on in. Um, so... I don't know. So, Brian, what was, your, what was your first reaction when you saw it? Um, I think my first reaction was... Uh, uh, was fairly negative. Now, whether that's just because uh, I, like to, you know, if someone's telling me that, you know, uh, yoga is, uh, you know, yoga is going through a spiritual extinction and all of these things are happening, my first thought is going to be like, okay, now let me like rebut that as best I can um, and say how that's not the truth. Um, and so uh, that's just kind of how my mind works, uh, even if I... Uh, even moderately agree with the, the premise that there's an issue with the yoga industry. Um, but I, I guess I took issue with the idea. They kept using the word superficial. And I, had the thought, and this is not a new thought, um, but something that uh, my teacher Ethan uh, often says is that there, there has to be a surface to everything. Ah. Which is not to say to give lip service to the standard argument which comes comes forth whenever there's a hybrid of yoga or whenever there's like a yoga at the brewery or yoga at this or yoga at that um, type events that like, oh, this gets people in the door. Um, the, this gets people in the door argument only works if there is a depth of knowledge and understanding that is available underneath the surface. If it, if the, if the, it, gets, every, it gets people in the door is really just a veiled attempt at, attempt at capitalism, um, then, yeah, you know, the, the premise that yoga is going through a quote-unquote spiritual extinction is probably true, except for the fact that it just seems whenever someone tries to make a, a pointed argument in that regard, um, it just is tinged with a little bit of a, a bitterness about the fact that other people are making money and and they aren't yeah 
Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's almost impossible to separate those two things. But I think that's the problem with trying to make that argument as opposed to saying, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is in the, in the trailer, uh, it, they, and this happens a lot, is people say, oh, this is getting so far away from what yoga is. And never do they actually offer a definition of yoga or even a description of how they practice the thing that they're calling yoga. Um, and so that's problematic to me because um, uh, it's still in, you know, it's still feeding into this uh it's still feeding into the industry <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, uh, i'm not i'm not sure that i'm saying that correctly um you know what it is Ryan? it's ethnologically lazy sure it's sure. like can't we all just agree that the history of yoga is simple and profound and of course that's what we're all talking about and we're losing it we're yeah. losing it with all these people in it. well no 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 back it up back yeah. it up what 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 are you talking about be specific there's a fear of specificity i think you're totally onto something when you say that they, they, you know nowhere was there a, a definition agreed upon or otherwise offered yeah so what the hell are we talking about it's almost it, you know that's the that's dangerous. Yeah, because if because even that, if, even if I weird even, cultural assumptions. Yeah, even if I didn't agree with someone's definition of yoga, I could at least understand what their yoga is, and then become familiar enough with, and and you know wrap my brain around how that informs and contextualizes how they're practicing yoga. Um, and then we have the hope of having a conversation about it. Um, and no, but there's too much. There's too much at risk for them to say that because yeah. it takes it takes um, courage to define what yoga is for you because there are so many entry points for criticism as soon as you do, and that I, I, that that's the sort of reason why there is this omission of statement yeah let's leave it out because we all sort of agree that you is this big important sacred thing yeah singular um and you know the other part that's interesting to me is the word spiritual and the word extinction slammed together yeah that was that was an interesting choice of words um me and I and my my sense is what what was meant to what the trailer was communicating, um, you know. And of course, I would be very you know if if this does get funded, I would of course watch it. Um, uh, but um, my sense was that they were meaning that the spirituality has been sucked out of, of yoga, basically that it, it's been, you know, narrowed into this, this physical form. 
Um, and I guess I just don't. Like, I, I, I'm curious whenever people make that argument, because it, it's not like this is an argument that's new to this documentary that's trying to be funded, right? This is, this is a conversation that goes on all the time. Um, uh, what, what does, what is the word spiritual pointing to for somebody? Is it pointing to a sense of uh, some sort of transcendent or ultimate quality? Is it pointing towards a monotheistic God? Is it pointing towards a uh, understanding uh, or, or even a reverence or devotion to the natural world? Um, is it pointing to, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, 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 sort of polytheistic, even, even, uh, uh, pagan construction that would certainly lead, uh, clearly back into, uh, an understanding of, of nature. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that all of those conceptions of spirituality should be able to be held within yoga practice. And I don't, you know, think that even amongst the, the yoga texts as they've been interpreted throughout history, and this is why uh, books like the, that... Um, uh, David White, I think that's the name, his name, um, wrote the autobiography of the Yoga Sutra or something like that, biography of the Yoga Sutra. I'm blanking on the name of the book. I'll put it in the show notes. But part of it was showing, you know, how the Yoga Sutra's meaning has changed over time based on cultural and social uh, factors. Um, so... It, you know, if we acknowledge that spirituality is, or not even we, if one were to acknowledge that a sense of spirituality, whatever that means to them, is the ground of their ground of yoga practice, there would still be a valid argument for saying, okay that's maybe a little bit subtle and I don't need every, everybody to agree with me on my understanding of spirituality in order to operate from that view and start with the most tangible thing, which for most people is the body. And that's not pulling the spirituality. That's just acknowledging that like, Hey, I have an understanding of, you know, with, the way that I practice and the things that I've studied of what I, I see to be my view of yoga practice, my view of spiritual practice. Um, and because uh, I'm teaching in a public way, um, I'm not going to try and impose 
something that I've come to slowly over time on a group of people who are stopping in for a 90-minute class. Instead, <laughs> I'm going to operate from that, that groundwork of spirituality and say, hey, let's move and breathe. Because those are really tangible things that can touch us in to, you know, in, in the back of my mind, understanding that those are very tangible things that can touch us into a sense of emptiness, to a sense of uh, basic goodness, to a sense of bodhicitta, to a sense of purusha, to a sense of, you know, whatever, whatever words you want to use. It doesn't, doesn't really um, matter. It's just, you know, um, there can be a surface to things as long as that surface has a, has a depth of understanding uh, underneath it. Um, and Well, that's elegant. That's an elegant way to put it. There uh, can be a surface because there has to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, gotta, I, I, I will, again, credit uh, uh, Ethan, Nick Turn, with that. Because, you know, and I'm sure that argument has been made before. But, but that's, that's something that we talk about all the time is that, you know, there can be just a, a very sort of surface level understanding of meditation and asana practice. And if all people took away was just like, imagine if everyone came to your class, like never had any interest in learning about Patanjali, never had any interest in learning about um, uh, any sort of yoga philosophy, but they walked away with the understanding that, Hey, if I inhale and do this and exhale and do that in a coordinated way, and I do that for like 10 minutes, I'm going to be able to calm myself down and chill out for a moment. If that was their entire understanding of yoga practice, that's way more fucking spiritual than someone yelling and uh, screaming about how people should know the sutras better. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think the word spiritual is a lazy dog whistle in this case. Unless, in the same way. In this case, yes. But I, I do... Like, I do in this, th in this yeah, case. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. And even for distinction, it's just like, oh, this little whistle. Because it seems to me, first of all, when we look at nature, there's things that are man-made and extinctions that, you know, quote-unquote, happen somewhat organically. Extinction is not inherently bad. And I wonder if the thing that they're talking about, that extinction, would be a bad or a good thing. Like, it, like even if we just back up and think, okay, if we're looking at a modernist understanding of what contemporary North American yoga is, maybe it should be extinct because it can't even define itself. It's a sure. group of people that, as far as I can tell, look to be upper middle class white people that are gripping onto an idea of a deeply complicated um, religious and historical and nationalistic pastime that they've somehow co-opted and without language have agreed upon a meaning that they're now defending and bemoaning the loss of it. And for that, I say, yeah, well, like, just like every other school of thought, maybe it's time for it to become extinct. Sure. So, and 
I'm not talking about people that can define what yoga is. So, like, I'm not saying, okay, oh, you know, anybody who practices and loves Zangar yoga, maybe that should become extinct. That's not, that's not what I mean. I mean when we cannot, <laughs> the, 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 the rationale that people use that, oh, we're losing what real yoga is, and they leave it at that. That's indefinite. Yeah. And that, that should be extinct. Yeah. But I, I, I guess part of me, you know, if whenever, whenever this topic comes up, there's always a little bit of dis- disappointment because it, it never. It never, how do I say this? Even, even if it was held within the frame of, okay, let's have an understanding of what, um, what we're actually talking about when, when I say yoga versus when you say yoga versus when you say yoga versus when you say yoga, then there is automatically also this, this same desire the same urge to codify and be and 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 even within even within the person themselves to fixate around whatever that definition is so when the truth of the matter is is that you know it's going to your your definition and your understanding is going to evolve as you continue to practice and so it's, it's actually more of a, what is my understanding today? And how am I going to practice that? Um, and not in a like, now I have to go write a dissertation on what my understanding of yoga is, but like in an embodied way, like, okay, what, what is my experience of yoga? And how am I going to tune to that and practice that? And that might express express itself slightly differently as someone, uh, you know, depending on the season, depending on the time of day, depending on what the person's circumstances are, depending on what their history is, depending on who their influences are, depending on, like, any number of things. Um, and uh, I don't think that that's actually an impossible conversation to have. I think that's actually a really easy conversation to have, but it requires people stepping down from needing to be right and needing to use the conversation to uh, prop themselves up uh, in terms of um, uh, needing to uh, be legitimized and be therefore commercially viable. Ha! Ah. Yes, that's that was the that that was a word that came to my mind too, and I'm glad to hear you say it because it's. I I think that there's there's a hunger for legitimacy, and 
people receive quote unquote legitimacy through lineage. Yep. And there's a fear of erasure of the importance of that legitimacy or that lineage or that ineffable history. And anything that is ineffable is suspect in my Mm. mind to me. If you cannot wrap words around it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It just means it's suspect. Suspect isn't inherently bad. Again, it just means it's up for discussion. You can't describe it. Let's have a talk about it because something else might be at play. Yeah. Not that everything should be able to be, like you said, codified, described, articulated, put under pins and under a glass in a case. You know, there are things that are far larger and more complex for our understanding or our language. But I think it's a really good starting place when we start to think ineffable. Yeah. Anyway, people don't want to disappear. Yeah. People want to matter. Yeah. And, 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 you know, from clearly, you know, whenever this, this topic comes up, whether it's in the form of a documentary or just in the, in the form of teachers talking to each other, people giving a workshop, whatever the hell it is, um, there is hopefully underlying it, you know, certainly there, there can still be these, these sort of, uh, other, maybe not so pure motives involved in it, but, hopefully underlying all of it is, hey, this was really valuable to me and I want to mm-hmm. share it and be helpful. Um, uh, and, and, and so, you know, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but, you know, that is, of, of course, always wrapped up in the need to, you know, be able to pay your bills and, and be able to, you know, uh, live your life and, and uh, you know, maybe find a few moments where you can enjoy yourself from time to time. Um, but hopefully the, the root of it comes from just a desire to be, to be helpful and to use your understanding and um, skill set to... Uh, do that the best you can. It makes me think of what the Puritans brought with them and planted in New England. And one of the things is the Hawthornberry, which is a very powerful um, and rugged plant that has little red berries in it and sort of spiky leaves and it's all over the growing wild in New England but it's also um, you know sort of associated with the holidays oftentimes and um, you'll see it uh, in bush forms and many a New England suburb and anyways I bring it up <laughs> because it was used as a um, as a diuretic and as a medicine for heart um, for heart disease, uh, you know, as far back as, you know, we had, uh, Puritans creeping over here, bringing plants and planting them. Yeah. And it was precious to them. They took it as cargo on the boats and they planted it all over so that its presence is now almost synonymous with, with New England. Um, they even have streets in Salem and families named after in the Hawthorne. Uh, and I just think, okay, well, 
wow, how precious and beautiful that historical bit of mm-hmm. agriculture is. And and for those of you herbalists out there that just heard me, if you want to correct me on any bit of that, please do. I'm sure I didn't get it perfectly right, the history. But I I bring it up because it's like, Okay, so it was super useful for a time to brew up a decoction of tea made of the hawthorn berry and the hawthorn leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the best thing for heart disease in 2017? I don't think so. There's <laughs> other stuff. And it's not that I'm saying that yoga is going the way of the hawthorn berry. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that our relationship with it and how we understand it in that modern context, in that, because we're now way past postmodern, but they're almost referencing a modernist concept of what yoga is slash was might go the way of the Hawthorne berry. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we're not using elements chemically of what the makeup of the Hawthorne berry is in other medications that we produce synthetically. It just means that we're not doing it quite the same way. Yeah. Ryan, I need to ask you a question. Sure. Was that the ramblings of a lunatic? <laughs> I mean, no more than usual. You can be honest. You can be straight with me. <laughs> you can be straight with me. <laughs> no more than usual. Okay. That's, that's all I need to know. Um. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see if they raise money because also I, I think the crowdsourcing is a little interesting for documentaries because it's like, well, there's companies out there that'll give you money, man. There's like, there's like other ways to, you know, whatever. Um, like here, other poor people pay for my, <laughs> pay well, for there my was, thing. There was also, of course, in, you know, another, uh, um, uh, a whole section of the trailer just devoted to how easy it is to become a quote-unquote yoga teacher. Uh, oh, which is just not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, what was he talking about? Yeah, he said something about like a ten-hour thing or a ten-day thing. Oh yeah, yeah. There's trainings out there that are like a like ten-day. Um, uh, it's you know. It's just another one of those, okay, yes, and <laughs> um, I don't know what you're proposing we do. Like, if you had a legitimate proposal for how to make a change, I am all ears. Um, but... If you just want to bitch and moan about Yoga Alliance, like, I don't know how much more patience I have for that. Like, yes, it's, it's unfortunate. It's really, really unfortunate. They're doing a, uh, you know, I mean, we'll see how this, like, current overhaul of the standards that they're attempting to do or proposing to do or, you know, talking about one day doing, I think is probably a more accurate <laughs> description. Um, uh, I mean that's interesting, but I still uh, having a oh, your or, Amazon <laughs> what was that Alexa, you sick minx. 
Um, you heard nothing. I heard nothing. Um, uh, having a, a tr quote unquote trade organization for that encompasses everything that could possibly be called yoga on an international scale is silly. <laughs> it's just silly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, and I don't know, I don't know enough about other organizations like this. Um, but it seems like there are, especially within the bodywork world, it seems like there are much more in the way of, um, like it's not just one organization. Like there, there are usually multiple organizations that follow slightly different standards and you can choose to be part of this, that, or the other one. Um, or there's some sort of structure that's like, okay, there's a national organization and then there's a, there are state and regional, local, regional organizations. Um, and um, if we can at least all agree that uh, yoga is to a large degree uh, subjective in nature, um, then wouldn't it be nice if there was just a, you know, uh, New England or even just Massachusetts, uh, you know, Massachusetts Yoga Association and all of the schools and, and uh, um, uh, uh, studios and, 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 programs in Massachusetts could get together and say, actually, this is what we value. Um, and, you know, hopefully it would be a small enough uh, community that um, there could actually be some, some level of, of accountability to that. Um, and maybe we would, hopefully we would value things differently than Yoga Alliance does. Hopefully we would, you know, come to a conclusion that hours don't denote competency. Hours don't guarantee that someone can teach yoga. Um, uh, I, I, I just don't know how a uh, um, organization could ever come up with an objective list of things that would guarantee that someone would be able to teach yoga but we could at least say like these are the things that we value and you know some rotating board of of yoga teachers uh would review people's curriculum and make sure that the curriculum was in line with the things that w were valued and um there would be some uh you know level of uh, scrutiny there but but even then like it it's it ryan there's good and bad there's even good and bad doctors like for example that yes yes that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. The, the the white house pediatrician got up <laughs> and said that trump is 239 pounds and he said it with a straight face yeah and you know, and you know, you can be good or bad. It doesn't matter how many certificates you have. Yeah. And and uh, that's that's what I I guess I just don't um, like. I don't know if 
uh, rehashing this, you know, like there's we're losing something. I'm not sure what, but something, something is, something is, uh, I don't know. Something's fucking askew, um, with the whole thing. Something's wrong. And Denmark. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I just wish, I just wish there could be a, I wish there could be a broader conversation. And also like at a certain point, isn't it more, wouldn't it be more effective at some point to just say like, Hey, <laughs> all of the Ashtanga teachers have some sort of organization that's not the Shala in Mysore that works within the Ashtanga community because there's a shared viewpoint and a shared set of values and a shared set of practices. And that can evolve over time. And the Iyengar teachers already kind of have that organization mm-hmm. set up because they have regional associations and then national associations and then obviously um, the institute in Pune. Um, uh, and you know, that's organized around lineage so that it's a little bit clearer. Um, but I could foresee organizing something, um, you know, you could organize something that was just like, Hey, you know, we're just doing yoga so that people can use it as a part of their fitness routine. That's it. And you share a common set of values and a common set of competencies and there you go um uh you know i don't know how that would look but there we're at the point where like just rehashing the argument without um actually having a conversation about first of all what we're actually talking about and second of all how are we going to move forward Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't see Otherwise, it's clickbait. It's yeah. Clickbait. It's just clickbait. And of course, like you and I are going to see something that says the yoga industry and we're going to be like, Oh, we got to click. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to click that. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, but, um, all right, Ryan. Triggers and inspiration. Oh, didn't we just have a whole conversation about triggers? <laughs> I know. This whole episode is triggered. Well, every episode is triggered. Every episode is just triggered. But anyways, uh, a more specific one. Um, uh, where did I write that down? Um, um, Okay, I can't find my, I'm trying to find where I wrote this down. Um, uh, You go first. Okay. Uh, Okay, so trigger, trigger for the week is hearing language. The universe will provide Thing out for uh, 
whenever I hear that, I cannot help but think about all the people that have lived on this earth that the universe has not provided for. Sure. And then thinking, is that person implying that it's those people or that group of people's faults that the universe did not figure it out in the end? Like yeah. To me, it just feels so, like such a, I want, it's a beautiful thought. I want to believe it's true. Uh, but it just also feels so insensitive and like such a wipe over. Like I'm, I don't actually have to say about this. My optimism is rooted in lack of thought and here we go. The universe will provide. And I hear that and I get triggered. Yeah. Whatever triggered means. I get pissed. I get cranky, Ryan. I get cranky. Um, inspiration. The, the, uh, the great leap that um, companies are going and leaping to create an all-natural deodorant. <laughs> I see new new brands every day, and uh, it brings me it brings me great peace and hope. Are you going to do a, like a, one day a, a product sampling, um, and you could just on unrolled talk about how all of the natural deodorants work slash don't work. <laughs> Oh my God! It's one of my. It's it's really one of my secret hobbies is natural deodorants. <laughs> discovering their efficacy. Also, it turns out I'm allergic to to something that's in a lot of the good ones. That like some of the oh, hippie deodorants that actually yeah, yeah, yeah. work, give make my armpits look like angry vaginas. Like <laughs> <laughs> just bright red and 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 angry. Um, sure. So I, you know, I'm always the only. It, but it, but it, it's a little hobby of mine, and it brings brings me brings me a little smile when I see a new one. Yeah, because it's weird to me. It blows my fucking mind that you know, as sensitive as people are about what they eat, especially the yoga community. I don't eat it. I don't eat, I eat organic. I don't eat this. I love this. But you know what? I will smear directly into the pores in front of my glands. <laughs> anything. Just any anything. Old thing, I'll just smear any it. old thing. Any yeah. old thing. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Mitchum, lady Mitchum. <laughs> so, um, so what about you, Ryan? So on a very similar. It front, sounds like I'm peeing. I'm not peeing right now. My husband is filling up a water. Okay. <laughs> um. So. Uh, um. So my trigger is very similar to yours, except it's pointed very specifically at uh, people, uh, yoga teachers who are um, big into, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but big into things like uh, A Course in Miracles or uh, um, other kind of quasi new age spirituality uh, but in the context of Judeo-Christian spirituality, there are a few other things like that out there. Um, but it's, it is also this idea of... Um, because actually a lot of the concepts that, are, that some people are, are espousing in, in those type of works, uh, actually I see how people understand them to line up with, with yoga. Um, but it's... 
exactly when there's this idea that the I saw something the other day where there was a, a yoga teacher was talking about how they uh, asked the universe to change their perspective. And then because they changed their perspective, or because the universe changed their perspective, they had like a positive interaction in which they got what they wanted. Um, and I just wanted to be like, no, you changed your, per you decided and had the awareness to say, oh, I could approach this differently. And then you did it. <laughs> So if you want to call that a miracle, that's great. But the savior complex, we're just replacing Jesus with the universe, is just, yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> like, I just can't. Um, and, and it's, it's, uh, it just, it just kind of, the, the thing that is, because if it was so far out of left field that uh, it just was like, beyond uh ridiculous uh i would be like okay whatever but it's like so close it's like so <laughs> it the the one thing that's different is still the savior complex um and i just can't get around that um and uh maybe that just is the territory that comes with being a buddhist but <laughs> um that has been really uh there has been like Every time I log into Facebook, there's something in that regard, um, which is why I've been less and less logging into Facebook. <laughs> um, the uh, um, inspiration, however, uh, is just feeling really uh, grateful for the teacher teachers uh, that I have in my life supporting me. Um, both Tom, uh, who I see every Monday. And then I had a long talk with, with Ethan, um, yesterday. And, uh, it, uh, always, uh, reaffirms the fact that, uh, you know, you can't, you can't do any of this alone. <laughs> like you need support. Whatever that form that support, that, whatever form that support comes in is fine. But, you know, especially if you're engaged in yoga practice or yoga teaching or meditation practice, uh, it's just really helpful um, and really inspiring to have, have people who are a little bit or a lot of it more experienced than you are to, to help uh, uh, course correct and um, bounce ideas off of and... Um, um, reaffirm that you're at least going in the right direction so um yeah that's my my inspiration for the oh i like that day. one and i i agree with it um so uh this has been unrolled uh it sure has uh you can find us at unrolled podcast at uh uh, unrolledpodcast.com you can email us at unrolledpodcast at gmail.com oh and I have a little recommendation so the weird update that they've done to the Apple podcast app uh, a lot of uh, like if I miss one week of a show for some reason it won't 
like download the show the following week. Like it's a little bit tricky like that. Uh, so I've actually switched over to using Stitcher for podcasts. Um, and it, not every podcast is on there yet. Um, but the interface is way better, uh, than the Apple podcast app. Um, uh, also I, I believe, uh, we are also on Spotify. Um, so what? Uh, if you, I believe, I don't, don't quote me on that, but I, I, I think it went through so that we are on, on Spotify as well. Um, I will double check that, but <gasps> definitely, um, Ryan. Uh, def- Ryan. <laughs> definitely on Stitcher. Uh, it is now my preferred podcast app though. Jay, get your podcast on Stitcher. Oh. Cause Hello? that's the one thing that I have to keep switching back to. Um, <laughs> so uh yes that's my public service announcement for the for the uh uh for the day um and thank you so so much to everybody who's supporting us on patreon it really helps a lot so um have a wonderful uh day night morning evening afternoon whenever you're uh, uh, listening to this and we'll see you next week sounds good bye bye